Hello and welcome to Conspiracy Theories Football. I am your host, Josh McDaniel. And this week, our episode will be on the key to conspiracies. As a warning, I believe if I do my job right, that after listening to this podcast, you may never be able to look at football games the same. My purpose in this podcast is to help people to identify when games are being manipulated by outside sources or anything other than the players that are on the field. So without further ado, let's just dive right in. With me today is my lovely wife, Kelly, and she is going to be the one doing the interviewing on the key to conspiracies. I.e. grilling. Let's get to the elephant in the room. You lost. I mean... You really lost. Uh, You are right. That is correct. I made the bold prediction on my last episode that the Tennessee Titans would not only cover their 10-point spread, they would beat the Buffalo Bills. So what happened? Well, the final score was 41-7 Buffalo over the Titans. They won by 30 Four points. So, quite a bit more points than I thought Buffalo was going to pour on the Titans, and I thought, I actually believe the Titans might win that game because of the way the money was laying. However, in that episode, last week's episode, I mentioned the fact that if nothing fishy went on, Buffalo should win that game by 30 points. And they did. However, I did win the other game that I made a prediction on, the other Monday night game, Philadelphia versus Minnesota. Ooh, well, that's one for the win. (laughs) But my prediction was based on the fact of the 80% going to the Minnesota Vikings. Philadelphia was actually the favored team in that game. Now, the thing about my predictions, though, and the reason why I feel like even the Minnesota-Philadelphia Eagles game was a miss, even though I picked the winners, is my actual purpose for picking these games and telling you to watch them and watch these upsets is because of the fact that I want people to see beforehand. I want them to suspect before the game starts that something weird might go on in these games. Because when I look at these different predictions and how the money is going, I imagine at times that things in certain games are going to go wrong because I believe the league or someone else has some reason to make the game go an opposite way of what everyone expects. So in that way, I kind of missed because it looked to me like officials and coaches seem to call the game correctly on both sides. They let the Bills and Titans play, even though the Bills were the far superior team. And also with the Eagles, they just let the game play, and both games were blowouts. And usually in primetime games, the officials at least try to keep games close, and they'll call the games in such a way to help the team that's not doing so well. I also missed the two predictions that I should have made, even though I brought them out for people to watch Sunday. Cleveland, 80% over Jets, and Cincinnati, 80% over Dallas. 
And that 80%, of course, refers to the bets. Cleveland was getting 80% of the bets over the Jets, and Cincinnati was getting 80% over Dallas. And that always causes me to question things. When 80% of the money or the bets are going in one direction, I'm always thinking that something probably is going to go on. And if I had have mentioned those games as my predictions, I think people would have seen some fishy stuff that went on. Cleveland had their game won over the Jets. All they had to do was run the clock out, but instead scored a touchdown, and then the Jets got the ball back, scored, got the onside kick, and won the game. And all Cleveland had to have done was sit on it. Now that we have that out of the way, the thing we're all waiting for, the key to conspiracies. So, why do you think it is that football is fixed? I've narrowed it down to five reasons, one, two, three, four, and five, as to why the NFL is fixed. And it's money, money, money. That's all five reasons. I say five reasons because the money kind of comes into play in different aspects of the game. Because while some of it has to do with gambling, others has to do with maybe a storyline, maybe having a certain game in the future, get a lot more money, get a lot more tickets. Future games. That makes sense to me. Exactly. And so they try to figure out ways that they would get the most money. Right now, we won't go into the whole money thing because there's so much involved in the money. But that is why football is fixed. So who do you think is in on these conspiracies? I get this question a lot because most people want to know, are the players involved? And while there are some suspicious things that happen in my particular study of conspiracies, I've found that players, in my opinion, while they can be suspicious of things being foul or that their coaches or officials or something is causing the game to go a certain way, the players themselves I don't think are normally in on the fixing of these games. But officials and coaches, on the other hand, I believe are absolutely in on it, and owners. I believe that the co- the officials can call the games in certain ways to cause a team to, to win or lose, and also the coaches can call the games certain ways that causes their team to lose. It's hard to believe the coaches are in on it, Don't they get paid to win? You would absolutely think so. And you would also think that by losing, they might be jeopardizing their job. Losing looks bad on their resume. However, it is interesting to find out that just last year, there are coaches that have accused their owners of paying them to lose football games. And those coaches are Hugh Jackson of the Cleveland Browns and Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins, both saying that they were paid money by their owners to lose games. 
Now, I know what you're saying, and obviously those coaches, they're actually suing, or one of them is actually suing the NFL, and the other one agrees with what's going on, Flores being the one suing the NFL, that he feels like he shouldn't have gotten fired because, obviously, if he's paid to lose, then he shouldn't be fired for losing. Yeah, how's that fair, right? Exactly. (laughs) And this is the thing that's always funny. The NFL is the source of the investigation that goes on afterward. Mm. They investigate as to whether these claims are true or false. So guess what the NFL finds in their investigation? Of course it's false, right? Exactly. These are all false accusations, Ah, according to the league. Yeah. Because in my opinion, the league is the one who sends the letters down to the owners to tell them to win or lose games. And that is my idea of who are in on these conspiracies. So how do you think it's done? What is the key to identifying when a game is fixed, do you think? There are many different ways that you can watch a game and see how the game is being fixed. Especially when you're talking about officials. You know, many times people all make the cry and they see officials call the game a certain way and they kind of see things, suspicious things, going on and wonder if the officials are fixing a game. And many times it depends on what team you're pulling for as to whether you think it's suspicious or not. And that's what many people say to fans like, oh, well, you're a Titans fan, so of course you thought the Bills-Titans game was rigged. But... It's very obvious to people who aren't pulling for either team. Yeah, unbiased people. Exactly. They don't have a dog in the fight, but they know something went wrong in certain games. You know, just like the tuck rule. Most people that watch that game, not being a Raiders fan, not being a Patriots fan, have the feeling that something about that was wrong. And many times, this is how officials can change games. In my first episode, we talked about the Immaculate Reception. And in that particular play, from watching it, I believe it could have been called either way. It could have been called a touchdown by Franco Harris, like it was, or it could have been called that it had been touched by the offensive team, and because of that, it was an incomplete pass, Raiders win. I believe that's one of the ways that games can be decided. There are close calls in games. But if one team gets all the favorable decisions in those close calls, would it not give them an advantage over the other team? For sure. However, when it comes to officiating, there is also another thing that can happen. That is, they keep the game close like they're supposed to the whole game. And then at the end of the game, they plan on calling the game in such a way to let the team win that they want to win. But something happens that changes their idea. Now, in episode two, we talked about the tuck rule. The Raiders hit Tom Brady. He fumbles the ball, and the Raiders recover. The game is over. All the Raiders have to do is kneel down and let the clock run out, and the game is over. But in my opinion, the officials, the NFL... Some entity bigger than the players had a different outcome decided for that game. And because of that, they had to come up with some ridiculous way 
to make it to where the Patriots got to keep the ball. Hence, the birth of the tuck rule. And so, sometimes I believe that the officials will even make horrific calls to make games go the way they need them to go. Another way I believe officials can change the outcome of games is by calling a game according to one team's strengths or another team's weaknesses. Tim Donahue, a NBA official who was fired and actually sent to prison for betting on games, actually come out and told on the NBA saying that the officials before the game got instructions on how to call a game. And according to the way that they were to call the game, told the officials which team the NBA wanted to win or lose certain games. And I believe that is also the way the NFL works. They tell officials to call games in certain ways that can help or hurt different teams. Take, for instance, the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans. This year, the Tennessee Titans will be a run-heavy team, I believe. Then, right now, that seem, that's supposedly their strength, running the ball with Derrick Henry. However, the Buffalo Bills are a pass-heavy team. So if the officials were to get instructions, say, to call pass interference on any kind of bumps or call defensive holding calls much more rampant than they normally do, to be more touchy, we'll say, with their calls, then it would certainly help the Buffalo Bills in that effect since they will be the ones passing the ball more often and it will help them move down the field easier, whereas it will not help the Titans if they're running the ball more often than passing the ball. So this is one way that just calling the game, even in a fair way, but to a team's strength or weakness, can affect a game. So how are the coaches involved in all of this? Now the coaches. Now the coaches can do a lot to determine the outcome of a game. Now before I get to the coaches, I forgot to mention some other stuff about the officials, and this is something that's uh, very I found very interesting. This is comments by a an author named Brian Tui. He's the author of The Fixes In, Larceny Games, and Season in the Abyss. In one of his articles, he brings out something really interesting about the legality of fixing games. And this is what he had to say. It is perfectly legal for the NFL to fix its own games, believe it or not. There's no law that prevents it. That's the scary part. The only law that comes close is the law that dates back to the quiz show scandal of the 1950s, where the networks were fixing their game shows in exactly the same in it, the same the NFL would be fixing its own games to make them more entertainment, more entertaining, sorry. There's a movie called Quiz Show, directed by Robert Redford, that details exactly how this happens. They did it for years until they were finally busted by congressional investigations. The law passed out of those investigations, and it specifically only mentioned intellectual contests such as game shows. It did not go to sports, so that law doesn't cover the NFL. The other law that exists is called the Sports Bribery Act of 1964. 
but that only covers bribing a player, referee, or coach to alter the outcome of a game. If a league like the NBA told its referees how to do their jobs in a way implying how to do their job to give one team an advantage over another team, that's not fixing. That's just an employer telling an employee how to do their job. It doesn't fall under that law either. So really, there is no law that prevents this from occurring. When you're talking about a multi-million dollar business, where obviously a lot of money is at stake, what prevents them from enacting such subterfuge against games? Now, interestingly, there was a court case that came against the NFL when the New England Patriots had what was called Spygate, where they were spying on other teams and learning their plays. And, you know, this caused the NFL to do an investigation, actually find that the Patriots were actually cheating. Now, a Jets fan went and sued the NFL because he felt like that, you know, because the game was changed because of their cheating, then the ticket he paid for should be reimbursed, and every Jets fan should get reimbursed for watching games that were cheats. But when they went to court, the actual judge in that case brought out the point that all he paid for was a ticket to a sports game where he was to be entertained. And were you not entertained? <laughs> and so in the end, they lost. Uh. That being the Jets fan and his legal team. So even in the court system itself, it kind of, in my mind, shows that the NFL can get away with it, even if they decided to fix games. And in that court case, it was kind of implied that if the NFL actually fixed its games for sure, and it was known that fans would still pay to watch it, just like they do in wrestling. Exactly. Because everyone knows that's fixed. Exactly. But yeah. the funny thing was, when I was a kid, you went and told people that yeah. wrestling was fixed and scripted. People would tell you you were crazy. Yeah, and they loved it. They just really just got into it like nobody's business. And now, now looking back, we look at those people like, how did they not know? And I think oh, there's still people like that that still believe. <laughs> Can you believe that? Yeah. Well, and I think that years down the road, we're going to find that we look back and think the same thing. Like, how did everyone not know this was going on? Now, I'm sorry I got out of place, but you. what was the next question that you I had? I was wanting to know, how do you think, how the coaches are involved? Like I mentioned before, the coaches themselves are able to call the game in such a way that they can actually work on a team's weaknesses instead of their strengths. And they can play to the other team's strengths instead of their weaknesses. And obviously that would turn the game a certain way. Once again, one of the, the big things that kind of proved that is the last episode we talked about Super Bowl thirty seven, where players on both sides believe that Bill Callahan, the coach of the Raiders, through the Super Bowl game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers knew every play that the Raiders were calling. Now, there are also other times that these things have been questioned as far as the coaches' involvement in certain games and things. Just like in the Super Bowl, when Seattle played the New England Patriots, 
Every fan that watched that game knew that all they had to do on the one-yard line was hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch, and they win that Super Bowl. They would get a touchdown. Given four tries for one yard, Marshawn Lynch is getting that. But instead, a quarterback threw a stupid pass that got intercepted. The New England Patriots win the game. And, of course, it's always the Patriots. The Patriots are involved in so many of these games that are considered to be conspiracies. Kind of makes you wonder. Yeah. Isn't it about the Patriots in general? (laughs) Later on, I'm going to do an episode on the Patriots and obviously that episode's going to go on forever, so it'll be broken down in probably 10 episodes of things that happen there. Now, another thing that coaches do and is well known to everyone, you can be watching a game, the offenses on both sides are inept the whole game. We're going to say the game is 3-3 three to three going into the fourth quarter, but it's the last two minutes of the game. The coach on the team that's supposed to lose plays a defense called... The prevent defense. Prevent defense. So does that prevent you from winning? That is a a famous phrase to football fans. The prevent defense prevents you from winning. And that is exactly true. Given two minutes to go in a game, some defenses, and in my mind, the team that's supposed to lose, plays what's called a prevent defense. Giving teams eight to ten yards on every play going down the field. And they absolutely do it. They lay off the receivers 10 yards and allow the pass to go 10 yards, 10 yards, 10 yards, which takes a whole lot less than two minutes. And the team that has been in up the whole game and couldn't move down the field moves all the way down the field to get a, a touchdown or a field goal in the last seconds to win the game. Yeah, it's always interesting to watch those miraculous plays where it's just you you don't see it. It's it, it's they haven't been playing the whole game and and just all of a sudden they are it. Kind of like uh, you mentioned before, they get electrified. Yeah, just, just like you watch wrestling and the guy's getting crap stomped through the whole match, and all of a sudden he's like, and he comes up like King Kong and just beats the tar out of the guy that's owned him the whole match and that's the last two minutes of a football game why people watch this every week and see these last two minute drives and things and don't see that it it surprises me it's sickening in all honesty it's like what do they have uh, an espresso machine on the side are these guys taking shots of espresso to get super energy there Exactly. (laughs) At the end of the game, all of a sudden, teams that have been terrible the whole game do great, and then the losing team has been doing great the whole game. They end up at the end of the game just giving the game away with stupid play calls. All that work for nothing. And it all ends up, in my mind, being because of the coaches. Yeah. So... What's this deal about 80% of the money resulting in a loss? That goes into a lot. Now, it's funny because I called a, a professional who dealt in gambling, and I mentioned this theory of mine. He laughed at me, and he's like, Son, gamblers have known about this since the 90s. I thought I had come up with something. You know, I'd heard people say this before, but I thought it was like a secret that only a few people knew about. But evidently, all of your professional gamblers know about 
80% of money going one way results in the loss for that team. But it's not always a foolproof plan. Yeah, it's not cut and dry. There's a lot of other things that go into the money. And also, if the NFL always went with that and always went with the 80% rule, it could be called into question and the legality could be changed if it was found out that the reason for them changing the outcome of, of games was for money and gambling. Then the legality would have to be questioned. Whereas the NFL sticks to the fact that it's for entertainment only, Mm. that is legal. But to get into all of the things dealing with money, I'm going to wait till next week to go into all of the money aspects of why I think games are fixed. Well, I'm sure we all look forward to that. I certainly hope so. So next week, that is going to be what we'll talk about. Money, money, money. Money. So in conclusion, I would like to do a review. Break it down into three main components as to how to identify when games are being manipulated by outside sources or things other than play on the field. Number one is officiating. In games, there are usually close calls that could go either way. When this happens, and officials seem to be leaning only toward one team, giving one team all the favorable calls, that game is officially fixed. When referees miss blatant pass interference calls, miss blatant holding calls that everyone on in the stadium or on the field can see, that game is officially fixed. And on the other end of the spectrum, when the officials are making those calls, calling pass interference, holding on a particular team when those things aren't happening and no one can see what it is the officials are seeing, that game is officially fixed. The second component to knowing when a game is being manipulated, coaching. I have a thing I like to call coaching malpractice. It's when a coach seems to have no situational awareness, doesn't understand the clock or clock management. They make calls that make absolutely no sense. You'll know it when you see it. And if you don't, after the game, sportscasters and fans will let you know just how dumb the coach's ideas and things were. And just like any sportcaster will tell you, Coaches are smarter than we are. And I believe that, and I know they understand situational awareness, so when they forget, or they make calls that all of us know aren't the right call, then obviously, something is going on. And that is the second key to knowing when a game is being fixed. The third is the last five minutes of a game. Just like in wrestling we talked about earlier, when a guy's getting beaten senseless the first part of the match, and then all of a sudden, at the very end, the last few seconds of the match, all of a sudden he becomes inhumanly strong and powerful and just destroys his opponent in very little time, counts him out and wins, even though the whole game, it looked completely the other way. There are many football games 
that go the same way and should be identified. When a game in the first 55 minutes looks like it's going a certain way, and then all of a sudden in the last five minutes, it has a miraculous turn. That just doesn't happen in reality. If that happens, then just know that that game is probably fixed. When a team cannot move the ball all through the game, and they've scored three points, but in the last five minutes, all of a sudden they score two touchdowns to win the game, you have to scratch your head and think about the fact that something is going on. And one of the other things we mentioned that goes along with those last two minutes is the prevent defense. When coaches go into that prevent defense in the last two minutes of a game, it's almost like, and all of us have said it that have watched sports forever, that it's like throwing a game when you put that prevent defense out there. Prevent defense prevents you from winning. Any coach should understand that if you lay off 10 yards off a receiver, it takes a whole lot less than 10 minutes or two minutes to go down the field and kick a field goal or score a touchdown. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. So those are my three. Coaching, officiating, and the last five minutes of a game can tell you when a game is being fixed. Thank you so much for listening. Please hit subscribe, like, or follow, and be sure to tune in next week as we talk about Money, money, money. And I will give my ideas of how I think the money influences games in the NFL. Now for my picks for this week's action. First of all, I'll give you all of the games that 80% of the bets is going in one direction. And those games are Pittsburgh is getting 80% of the bets over Cleveland. Kansas City is getting 80% of the bets over Indianapolis. The Chargers are getting 80% over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Atlanta is getting 80% of the bets over Seattle. And San Francisco is getting 80% of the money over Denver. So my two picks for the week, I will take Cleveland over Pittsburgh and Denver over San Francisco. Those are the games that I think I'm going to watch closely to see if anything fishy ends up going on in those games. Thank you guys very much again for listening. Have a good week, and I'll do it better next time.